How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I've got a very special guest for you all. Today, I'm joined by a competitive powerlifter. She's been a two-time national champion. She's also a coach as well. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Kristen Dunsmore. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? <laughs> I am not so bad. Thanks a lot yeah. for uh, for taking the time to jump on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No and problem. I really appreciate the uh, the introduction. You really talked me up there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always say that if um if if I wasn't doing this or coaching, I'd be like a ring announcer or a commentator. Uh, yeah, be, I think that'd be pretty cool to do that. Um, but how are you? What have you been up to? What what's been happening in your world recently? What's been happening in my world? Oh, well, <laughs> so I guess I, the only, I, I wouldn't call it exciting. I suppose it depends on who you talk to, but I am back in school to pursue a PhD. So that's exciting and stressful at the <laughs> same time. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I really wish that I had some really exciting story to tell you, <laughs> but I don't. Um so training, ideally, so I took, I didn't compete this year just because I needed to take some time off to really, number one, to kind of give my my body a, a bit of a break, but also just uh, mentally, I needed a little, to take a step back a little bit. Um, I was burned out for a while, so I'm back to consistent training, and ideally, if everything goes according to plan, I will do a meet in January and that would be a qualifying meet to compete at. So for powerlifting America nationals, depending on how that goes, <laughs> may or may not be at worlds, but we will, we will see. Yeah. Oh, cool. And kind of, kind of two questions from that. What kind of made you want to um, work towards your, your, your PhD? And how do you feel after having, because uh, I can kind of relate to having a little bit of time off from uh, competing because I haven't competed for the, the last like year and a half. It's only yeah. kind of now that I'm getting back into the swing of training a little bit. How do you yeah. kind of feel for giving your body a little bit of rest and having a little bit of time off? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, after taking time off, I'm, I guess I've, the competitive mindset is, I don't want to say it's it's back, but it's coming back. I think, uh, you know, when you first start lifting and you're PRing in the gym every single week, it's really easy to to feel motivated and to not skip days and to to want to really train and to push yourself. And then uh, over time, a lot of it is no longer really motivating it's about self-discipline and so there's plenty of days where it's like I just don't feel like going to the gym and then um I don't know somehow I I find the the self-discipline to to do so um and so wanting to go back to school was really because I realized <laughs> the more that I know or learn the more I realize how stupid I I was before. <laughs> and um, I think that as a as a coach, it's important to continue learning. Uh, also, just, you know, at some point, um, I'm probably won't be an athlete anymore, um, or at least not. Uh, 
not, not to say not competitively, but I'm getting older, right? Like my, <laughs> my body doesn't recover the way that it used to. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, what do I want to do once I decide that, you know, powerlifting is no longer my priority. And um, I think going back to school and wanting to teach the next generation of coaches and educators is kind of my, uh, my new goal in, in life. All right, cool. And what's your, what's your PhD in? Um, so the degree itself is called is health and human performance. Um, so it's like right now it's, you know, a lot of physiology classes, um, all the exciting science stuff. So we can appreciate Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know, obviously I gave quite a a brief, uh, introduction there, but for everyone listening who might not know your background in terms of just sport, getting involved in powerlifting and kind of your uh, progression, if you like, through the through the sport or training. Just want to give yeah. a little bit of a background to yourself. Yeah, totally. I did not know what powerlifting was for a long time. I think people hear bodybuilding, weightlifting, powerlifting. It's like, what's what's the difference? I don't know. And I, um, I was always interested in going to the gym, but it was the typical, um, you know, a planet fitness. And I was kind of intimidated to go over to the dumbbell section because that's where all the meatheads were. So I would stay in my little cardio section and, uh, really didn't do any sort of resistance training until I went to college. So I got my undergrad in exercise science and I was working in the human performance lab there and they were doing a research study and the program itself was a very heavy powerlifting traditional DUP style program. And the, my professor at the time uh, basically said, if you want to work here, you have to actually work out. You can't just go on the elliptical for an hour or whatever I was doing. And so that was my first introduction to squatting and benching and deadlifting. And I guess I was kind of good at it. Everyone was <laughs> impressed. Uh, it probably was not to depth. I was in running shoes, kind of how everyone starts, I feel like. And uh, yeah, that was, oh my God, I'm going to age myself. 2011. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And it took me three years to compete. So my first actual powerlifting competition was in 2014. So I had been training and squatting, but not necessarily competing. And it was one of those, I was just really intimidated. I always felt that I was comparing my numbers to at the time. So Jennifer Thompson, I'm sure you're familiar with her. She's the bench queen. <laughs> she was kind of the top in my class. And I'm looking at these numbers, like, what do I have to do to win? And then I see like a 300 pound, it's like a 140 kilo bench press. And I was like, oh God, you know, I got, <laughs> I got to wait. And um, finally, I think my mom ended up uh, signing me up for a meet because I kept finding excuses as to, to not, compete and so she was like well if I paid for this meet now you have to do it (laughs) and so I did and there was three women who competed so I won but out of three (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) 
So that just kind of shows you how big the sport has grown since 2014. Uh, that was my first competition. I caught the bug, I guess you could say. And as soon as I was finished, I was like, when is the next meet? I want to do, you know, <laughs> this is amazing. I love this sport. And my next meet was a uh, USAPL at the time. They were still part yeah. of IPL. <laughs> yeah. uh, nationals. And I ended up placing third at that meet. And so after, from, from there, I just, you know, started competing um I think gaining a little bit of a a name for myself as an athlete and then I started working as a coach and I worked as the strength guys coach mm -hmm. or when I first started uh, so I worked with Jason for a long time before I ended up going with another coach uh who coached me for a few years and I was also a coach for that company until about two years ago when I ended up going on myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't oh, know. Cool. <laughs> so I've been competing ever since. Nice. Well, well why I like to ask that, because obviously, you know, when you said there it took a couple of years before you first compete first compete. Yeah. Um a lot of uh especially sort of the back end of last year and this year, taking quite a lot of lifters to their first competitions, which has been yeah. pretty cool. And a lot of those beginner lifters have, have, have been women. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm saying look at lifters such as your, yourself and, you know, other other athletes because, you know, the um, like I think at Worlds this year, it was the most uh, most amount of lifters that, that, that they'd ever been, which is which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I, when people look at yourself where you are now, can sometimes forget that it took maybe a couple of years to do your first competition and, you exactly. know, saying I'm um, feeling intimidated. How did you kind of, um, yeah? How did you kind of like get over that or overcome it a little bit? And how how has that kind of helped you relate to maybe the lifters that you work with? Yeah, I would say that after I did my first meet, I was of the mindset that I I needed to wait until I was strong enough to to feel competitive. And so what I would tell my younger self now, or what I tell my newer athletes is to just to do a meet, uh, you're, you're, you know, don't try to cut weight. Don't try to put too much stress on yourself. Uh, just, just do a meet, get the experience under your belt. And then from there, you can try to PR compare, you know, to at, in your next meet against your old numbers. But I think doing that first meet is going to be, important uh and regardless of what your numbers are because you are never going to feel ready you'll always find a reason not to to compete and to hold off and so once you get that first meet out of the way I think it makes it a lot easier because you realize that you know everyone else at this local meet is probably their first time too yeah. And so you, it's kind of this camaraderie, right? And you you meet new people and you make friends who are in this same situation as you are. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's very easy, especially now in the age of social media, to compare yourself to some of the best lifters mm -hmm. in the world. But you have to realize for myself, I've been competing since 2014. So that was, that's been nine years of training. So you're, 
comparing yourself to someone who's been training for nine years and here, you know, you are competing for six months. So it it takes time. Um, Yeah. When you said they're being strong enough to uh, be competitive, a lot Mm -hmm. of people's thoughts are sometimes, are they actually strong enough to do a a competition? That's something that that I get um asked quite a lot or told quite a lot from yeah. from a couple of uh from from people in the gym who maybe are doing strength training but want to maybe gravitate towards they've started to hear about powerlifting so you can type powerlifting on instagram or, or anything like that and there, loads of things are going to come up what's yeah. kind of your approach or have you ever come across lifters saying that um in terms of, you know am i strong enough to actually compete I get th- that question a lot. I think that's very common with newer lifters. And I think, you know, just having that unique experience where that was me at one point. So it's very, uh, I can empathize with, you know, those who who feel like they're not strong enough. And I can tell you that even some of the best lifters in the world are going to feel like they are not strong enough. Uh, I've had that feeling too, where, um, now eyes are on you before, you know, as a local lifter, nobody cares, I guess. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes it fun. There's no stress. And then as you continue competing and you're getting better and maybe you're getting noticed a little bit, and then there's a little bit of pressure. So if you don't do well at a meet, uh, and everyone's going to talk about, Ooh, like, did you see Kristen <laughs> about a squat or something? Yeah. Um, so I think those feelings, regardless if you're very new or if you've been competing for a long time, there's always going to feel that ha- there's this feeling of not feeling good enough or being good enough. But I think um, the reason there there's a reason that people continue to do it. There is a love for this sport. And I think that the, the neat day, uh energy is just something that is inexplainable it's just like natural high that you feel and I think that's what people kind of force makes them continue to to want to compete and you won't realize that until you've actually done that first one and what it feels like yeah definitely I feel like I get more excited about taking lifters to competitions now than competing myself what was really fun well not funny but nice to see is that I um, took a woman to her first competition and then a couple of days off and then she came back into the gym and it was it was kind of that stereotypical um post comp blues and she was like oh I'm just back in the gym now. I want to be back on the platform where you know uh, there's, that, there's that buzz of lifting heavier. Whereas when she's come when she's come back in, it's now back to the the training yeah. that she was doing. So I completely understand that because um, you know that's when you said that the powerlifting bug. I kind of caught it. Came yep. from playing a team sport with rugby, and then literally I remember um, one of the uh, one of the guys that I used to work with um, basically said, "Right, here's a 12 week program. You're going to do a competition with me in 12 weeks." I went okay cool did that and then I was like when can I do the next one when because it does become yeah. addictive you do get that high off it yeah one thing that you that you said there with um you know as you progress you know or get no maybe noticed a little bit more eyes are on you a little bit and there's there's always that train of thought that the the training that we do in the gym the stronger that you get in the gym can increase confidence in the gym but then also confidence outside how how did that kind of help you with maybe your confidence in the in the gym or outside the gym as well? And well, it's kind of like a double barrel question, maybe this one. <laughs> um, 
how is there ever like a tipping point where the because everyone starts training because it's fun is there ever a tipping point where it maybe becomes a little bit too serious and how do you strike that balance between keeping it fun and en- enjoying it yeah so I guess um yeah that's like I said when you first started it's so easy right and yeah. you're PRing, it feels good you just did your first meet it's it's fun and yeah just um after a while there's this um pressure I guess and even in the gym right whether you're competing or not uh you always want to have a good session so that you can post it and post your PR, you know, great training session. Um, but then if you, you know, start going to the gym and you're just, you're fatigued. Right. And there's been times where I've, you know, I'm trying to pull 50% of my deadlift and I can barely get it off of the ground. And in the beginning, those were really, uh, it ruined my entire day. I was, I'm getting weaker. I suck. I'm, it's like these self negative talk that you, you tell yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can either make your day great <laughs> if you do well, or it can ruin your entire day. So it does affect you inside and out of the gym. And I guess one of the things that I've learned over time is that everybody has those training days, even the best lifters in the entire world. We just don't post about it because no one really wants, well, I guess maybe some people want to see you fail, but <laughs> <laughs> those aren't the the videos that get the likes, right? It's yeah, the, yeah. the PRs that people care about. So um, I think just recognizing that, you know, everyone has those days um, and trying not to let it ruin the rest of your day has been huge. Um and it does kind of, I guess, over time, you know, the where there's no longer uh, it's motivating, it's the the self-discipline. And so there's been plenty of times where I've like not wanted to go to the gym and I'm just not into it. And on those days, sometimes I'm just like, I'm just going to drive to the gym. Mm-hmm. And if I just get there to the gym, I'm gonna work out so once I'm there it's fine um so that's kind of been my you know like just just drive to the gym and as long as you make it to the gym you can leave if you want to (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that's I think that's what um because obviously why I wanted to touch on that is everyone starts training or getting involved in in sport or whatever it may be because they enjoy it and they they stick at it because they because they enjoy it with the um uh, because i think sometimes there's some uh, misconceptions around powerlifting or weightlifting or strongman any any like sort of the um strength training sports that it's going to be a, a, an intimidating environment and not really have a community in, in you by in, in, in you by yourself how have you found um with the uh sort of like connections or friendships that you've made through powerlifting but then also who's kind of influenced you in your training and maybe your coaching as well yeah so so as far as uh who when I first started the big names was Jennifer Thompson and Kimberly Walford so those were the the athletes who I strived to to be like or whose numbers I tried to to compete with um 
And as a, as a coach, I would say that my philosophy on training has changed dramatically over as, and as it should, right. As more information comes out, you learn, I think as a coach, it's important to adapt to your, your training philosophies. And I think some of the the problems with like, uh, these coaches that are very set in their ways and it's, it's my way or the highway. I know, you know, and it's like, those are the ones who get stuck. And I would say that Mike to share uh, Mike T. I always said his last name correctly. I'm sorry. If I didn't. <laughs> He's had a really strong influence on the way that um, I coach, especially just um, the RPE style of training, just because like you and I talked about before, how, you know, maybe you go into the gym and you're just mentally not in it. Right. And so your perception of effort is probably going to feel a lot higher than it would be on one of those days where you're like feeling good and you're you know ready to to smash some prs and you had your pre-workout and things are feeling great right yeah. so um that's had a huge uh influence um and i guess recently would be uh data-driven strength yeah. uh, zach robinson and josh Poland. they have really good content um zach was my coach for a while um but he kind of stopped taking athletes because he's focusing on his phd and i think he's actually heavily into uh his data collection right now so (laughs) that means you just you don't have a life (laughs) (laughs) so your life is in the lab um so i think that's kind of what he's going through right now but yeah he kind of uh opened up my eyes to a lot of um different training methodologies, especially uh, this, the idea of training to failure and especially as a power lifter, right? When you're working up to a one RM and you think that you have to lift heavy every single day because you want to get stronger and you know, <laughs> lift as much weight as possible. And, you know, doing an RPE five or six and having a lot left in the tank, um, Number one is just mentally uh, <laughs> nice because yeah. I'm not like, oh, my God, I got a you know heavy single today and I'm not feeling it. It's like, oh, I can go to the gym in these days where I'm just not there. It's a lot easier to psych myself up with an RPE five than it would be like an RPE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I completely know what you mean about that because I, I did go through a phase where I just felt as though I was lifting heavy all the time. And I just felt like my body was was completely beat up. Um, yeah. And I've um doing a, a sort of like a, a mock a mock meet in December um with a couple of uh, a couple of uh, guys that I train with and a couple of other people, which I just think it'll be fun. It'll be you know a nice way to sort of end the year and think about doing yeah. a um a full competition next year next year if you like. And actually, the training building up to it, it's quite nice not feeling. Uh, not not feeling quite beat up and realizing that you don't lift after lift lift as heavy, which which is good. Um, yeah. I know, and and you said there, uh, I think it's good to have your uh, thoughts on coaching change over time. I know I've mentioned quite a lot about when I first started uh, coaching. I wanted to say everything and say as say as much as I could, but then when I'm um as I've got a little bit older, obviously I'm not doing I'm not 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 saying as much from there. So yeah, with that. 
how has kind of your knowledge increase so that you can um because at the start it mentioned didn't really know what powerlifting was how has kind of your um knowledge on powerlifting grown to be able to coach lifters a little bit better yeah so it's funny because when I look back at some of the old programs that I wrote from you know eight years ago I'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry uh I think one of the things that I've learned is so when um when I was coaching I would not program for the everyone the, the same but you know uh I don't know everyone was getting four or five days a week of benching or three days a week of squatting and you know what happens when I have um a bigger male lifter who you know is squatting some decent weight probably three times a week is just it's too much uh you know whereas a lighter female lifter who's you know a 52 kilo lifter she could get away with squatting three days a week and probably feel recovered so um yeah <laughs> some of my own training i it would just be being able to um really troubleshoot the lifters so if uh you know if a lifter's like i'm just tired i'm not i'm not recovering well um uh, maybe in the past i would just be like okay well we'll just just drop the load a little bit you know that was kind of my answer to everything and i think now it's being able to have a little bit more of a like critical thinking skills and you know beyond just uh like well well why maybe they just didn't sleep well the night before you know maybe they hadn't eaten anything all day or they had this huge exam and they went to the gym after and they're just fatigued so it's all these um things or these uh events that can happen that it's not just lowering the load you know it's being able to to troubleshoot and really working with athletes to find something that is like really uh individualized to them um i think that's huge yeah and do you think with that because you've kind of been there and uh, and done it you need to kind of um because the analogy that that i always use is um, or the example that i always use I took a couple of years of competing myself before I actually started training powerlifters. I know exactly. I was liking it to if you've never played rugby, how are you supposed to coach? How are you supposed <laughs> to coach rugby? And do you yeah. think the fact that you've kind of been there, done that, works with coaches, experienced that communication, you can realize, ah, okay, so this is how I make things more efficient and develop your own coaching strategies and your own take on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've worked with three different coaches. Um, Each one kind of had their own training style. And you kind of, um, I don't have one specific training philosophy. I think it's things that I've learned and taken from different coaches and different educators. And, you know, like, well, this really worked well. I really like this. And you kind of blend it all together into one. And this is what I tell uh, my athletes too, who want to be a coach is to, you know, don't just do exactly what I do. Right. (laughs) I've, you know, have this, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I would like to think I'm not, but, you know, (laughs) Um, so to, to get, uh, to, to keep an open mind and to learn from as many people as possible 
And yeah, I will kind of maybe I'm a little biased, but I would say that I think you need to do a meet and to have been an athlete before you're a coach, because there is a huge mental side to powerlifting. And those days when I have an athlete who's unable to lift the deadlift off from the ground and their first initial thought is they're getting weaker and they're, you know, the, this negative self-talk. And so as a coach, you have to kind of talk them off a cliff, so to speak. And, you know, it's okay. And, um, you know, I've had a coach where they just kind of was like, didn't know how to handle like my emotions. Yeah. Um, and so just very kind of standoffish, didn't really know how to to talk to me or to talk me down. Uh, so I would say that that's been a, a huge uh, being an athlete. Um, you will not understand what an athlete is going through until you've been through it yourself. Yeah. Do you think that's where, where, because there's, Powerlifting is one of them one of them sports now where obviously as a sport it's 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 completely blown up. I know from when I first started competing to to where it is now. Like a prime example would be um, Sheffield at the at the start oh of this gosh. year. Like yeah. you know something. What was what was actually really funny is that um, I, a couple of people went to the competition. It was the first competition that they'd ever seen, and I just yeah. had to say they're not not all <laughs> competi- not all competitions are like this. Um, yeah, but. Um, Obviously, it's blown up, so a lot of people may potentially be training powerlifting, if you like, in the gym, but have maybe not gone on to the competition. So do you think that's where sometimes, um, because as well, probably a tangent onto that is everyone's always now an online coach as well, but then don't have the experience to do it. Do you think that's where probably maybe not from a coach's point of view, but a lifter's point of view, it's quite hard to then filter out what's best to listen to because there might just some coaches might just be regurgitating what more um respected or maybe, I don't know what the right word is maybe knowledgeable coaches are actually being there and done it if that, that kind yeah. of makes sense yeah and I've seen that too where someone does a meet and then all of a sudden they're offering coaching services and I guess uh you know, like I said, when I first started coaching and I look back at my programming from eight years ago and, you know, like I cringe a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) it was, I mean, I wouldn't say it's not good, but if, you know, I would not consider myself a great coach. Um, and so I think it comes with, you know, just learning and trial and error. Um, and as far as like differentiating between a a good coach, a reputable coach who actually knows what they're talking about versus someone who didn't meet and they're just regurgitating information and they don't know if that information is accurate or not. Um, and not to say this is the the only way, but I do think that having some sort of education um, is not the be all end all, but I think it's certainly helpful if at least uh, there is some sort of background related to you know, exercise, physiology, sports science um, is super helpful. Uh, Also, you know, who are they coaching? Are they well-known athletes? Uh, Who have they coached in the past? What is their athletes done? And then just as athletes themselves, um, you know, what have they accomplished as an athlete? And I think all of those together 
is what you would want to look for, but like in and of itself, just having um, a great athlete or being a great athlete yourself doesn't necessarily make you a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, um, cause again, I'll always relate it to, to rugby as a, as a, yeah. as, as a sport, <laughs> you know, there's, there's plenty of, um, uh, so the, the, the team that I follow in rugby is Leicester. Our, our new okay. head coach who started this year was actually a very good rugby player. I don't think he represented his country. I think he played at an okay level, but he's actually become one of, you know, quite a well, quite a well-known coach. Um, yeah. But as long as, you know, he's actually played the sport, you know, having to competitions, but like what you mentioned, I think we mentioned it right at the start, you know, continuing your education, learning about things is is, is important because, you know, one of the other side of side of that is um, like what you touched on there, maybe the softer coaching skills of how to talk somebody down or hype somebody up or, you know, relate yeah. to relate to what they're saying. One one thing that we, we we kind of touched on is you know not having one set of philosophy you know thinking about what's going to work best for that person and um just going back to kind of the the actual competition day you know actually uh, peaking for a for for a competition there's you know different approaches diff, different approaches for that and um have you kind of stuck with the same build up to a competition has it changed have you found things that have gone right and then be like, oh, I might change this and it's actually gone wrong. Um, what, what's kind of your approach being to that? Because everyone's always thinking about, oh, well, so-and-so is doing this, so I, I must need to do this in the build-up to a competition. What, what's kind of your yeah. take on that? Uh, so in general, I would say that a lot of the way that if I, like, for example, if I'm peaking someone is going to be generally the same um, there have been certain situations where I've had a client who she just has to do a meet to to get a, a score, a number on the, the board. And so it's like, OK, well, we won't really peak for this meet. We'll just, um, you know, kind of train as is no no tape or anything like that. It's just going to be a normal training week. And then you just text your maxes on Saturday. And um she did really well, <laughs> like a lot better than I think both of us were expecting. And um, I was, you know, like, okay, maybe, uh, I don't, maybe we don't need to, to taper. Um, we had done like a meet before where she did do a, a taper and um, I mean, she did well, but not as well as she did <laughs> like no taper yeah. um so that was kind of one of those things that like if you were to just any sort of like normal powerlifting program right like everyone knows that they're supposed to taper the week of a meet um and that's you know what almost every coach yeah. probably does but what do you do when you have a lifter who like responded really well to just training into the meet and mm -hmm. uh, so even though you know, science and coaches say to taper, like if you, if I have a, if I have an athlete who does better without any real, at least a significant taper, like, okay, well, next time we're not going to taper, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think those are kind of things as a, as a coach, um, that again, you know, you kind of learn over time is as much as, um, uh, you know, 
there's a, a coaching style or a coaching philosophy. Um, they're never set in stone. It's never black and white. There's going to be, you know, I know some people who are doing like a really, really high volume training leading into the meet, which is kind of, um, you know, if you're peaking, you're supposed to be working up to singles because it's specific to the, the sport. Yeah. But if someone does really well and they're doing, you know, like a five by seven or something like, you know, on squat leading into the meet, but they do well, it's like, well, who's to say that they're, that it's wrong. Right. So it's kind of those uh, situations that I think, especially just having experiences, being able to know when it's okay to go against the norm. Yeah. Do you think with that, because I know with uh, with powerlifting, you can get very into the numbers. You can get very into like the the data. And yeah. This might be quite. A, we might be going down a, a rabbit hole here, but oh yeah, I just I just <laughs> just want to kind of. I, I'm I've always been a case of you know um a little bit like what you've mentioned there, basing it on feel. You know how how we were going to go from there. And I'm also a big believer in if it if it isn't broken, don't try and fix it. You know if things are going well. Let's let's kind of ride that a little bit and and see where it goes. Do you think that um, sometimes with how the how the spot of powerlifting it is that we try and control too many things, control too many numbers, as opposed to you know um, you know you know just feeling it feeling it out a little bit because you know in the past before Google spreadsheets it was <laughs> just you know you know written written down. Just what what's kind of your take on that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, let me see when I, yeah. So like when I started, I would, you know, like the pre Google spreadsheets, it was like a word doc and you're just like five by seven at 60% or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and yeah, I guess like you just you learn over time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's a. I know. It's a. I, God, that was. That's quite a big question, and it's kind of one of those things because everyone uses some form of of data to to track and look, and it's kind of now because we have that information, we can use it. But then yeah. it, we also need to have that balance of. But how does it feel? And I know from kind of thinking from me as a as a coach trying to explain that to lifters is sometimes quite hard because it's like, Oh, well you put these numbers down. Yeah. But how does yeah. it feel? And, ma- and matching it towards that, which can be quite hard because I think a lot of, you know, in the, I think a lot of certainly a lot of lifters that I know have come from other sports. So they have a background of like, I've been to training sessions before where I felt rubbish, it just hasn't felt good. But then all of a sudden come game day, Oh wow! Everything everything's feeling feeling really good. Whereas with, um, you know, uh, with with powerlifting, it can be that case of look, we need to we need to hit this, we need to do that, and if we don't yeah. hit this number, then the graphs aren't going to go in the right direction, and that <laughs> means that the world's going to implode, and we're not yeah. going to be able to not going to be able to do anything. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a, a I always like to I like to ask that question, but I'm not sure it's it's got a def a definite yeah. answer. <laughs> well, I guess. You know, even something like uh, technique, right? I, when I first started, it was like every little like nitpick, you have to have this 
perfect squat. And I've now I tend to under coach mm. rather than than over coach because especially as like a new lifter, it's like they're gonna self-correct on their own, even without me saying anything as they kind of learn the 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 motor pattern. And um I think it's like when it comes to lifters and data it's like you want to to track everything and sometimes it's almost like less is more and I get wanting to to control every variable but I think it can almost hinder you because like I said there's nothing that is black and white and on paper you should be doing this because I don't know that's what everyone (laughs) do right but then maybe you're, you know, like not responding well to that style of training, for example. Um, and, you know, your graph is going down. So <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yes, I think it's important to track data, definitely. But I don't think that it needs to be the be all end all. And it's important to be able to, to adjust if needed. And sometimes, you um, you know, if it's straying away from conventional thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think sometimes just thinking outside of the, outside of the box a little bit is, um, yeah. Cause I think, I think deep down part of me is like a secret uh, anarchist and just likes chaos and be like, yeah, if everyone's doing this, give give this a go and see how it feels. Not on, yeah. not on everything, but I think sometimes, um, yeah, it, it's good to do that. Do you think when you said there about tracking that people can actually, um, maybe not tracking too many variables, but track variables where they're putting effort into, which just isn't, just isn't worth it. It's just, they're not getting any return from it. Yeah. So I would say, um, I mean, and I, I was doing a velocity tracking for a while and it's, it's not to say that it's a, you know, good or bad. Um, but it's, you know, it got to the point where people are tracking every single variable. And if I'm training, um, that day and my velocity, like the weight felt good, but the velocity tracker just said, I was like, Oh, well that was equivalent to a nine. (laughs) And it's like, well, I mean, it, it felt okay, but this data is telling me that this was really slow and I should stop here. Um, and so in those situations, it's like, well, do you follow the data or do you go by how you feel? Um, I guess it depends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, as as the athlete, I was always like, oh, well, that was like a seven. I'm going to go up, you know. <laughs> Whether yeah. that was the best choice, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's just kind of like an example of, you know, uh, tracking a data that is helpful, but again, it's not black and white. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm glad you've kind of, you, you've said, you know, that there is uh, shades of grey a, a, a yeah. couple of times, and I, I'm glad you've mentioned that because it, it it makes me feel as though I'm not going too far wrong because I always kind of explain it as it's just a ballpark. We you know we 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 just got we've got an an idea of this because um, even when it comes to the the example that comes straight to my head um now is actually being in the gym this morning they're not doing um powerlifting or anything like that their goal is just weight loss fat loss and uh the scale had said something like um the weight had gone down but body fat hadn't changed we did progress photographs and they just physically look different and it's kind of as long as we track in some variables so you have an idea what's going on really the fact is you look at the photographs and they've and they've they've changed they've they've changed yeah. 
tie that into lifting, you know, nine ta- nine out of ten lifters are going to record their lifts. You know, um, yeah. to look at it, you can see, yeah, actually that moved really well. You can kind of see or feel if it's going to be, you know, an RPE twenty out of twenty out of ten. If it if it, if it was that bad. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's you know quite important to strike that balance. Um, yeah. I know we've touched on quite a couple of things, things there, <laughs> a couple of a couple of tangents thrown in, but from everything that we've chatted about there, Kristen, um, and for everyone listening, what would be your take-home points or words of wisdom for everyone listening? My words of wisdom would be do a meet. <laughs> uh you are never going to be ready uh if do a meet um and then if you hate it you don't have to do it again at least you know that you <laughs> you did it and it was the worst experience ever or you did it and you you caught the bug uh that was my amazing words of wisdom <laughs> no i'm just gonna click that and if anyone ever says that <laughs> What should I, I don't know if I should do a competition. I'm just going to be like, right, where's that clip? Just send it there. So yeah, Kristen Dunsmore said, you've got to do it, just do it. So that's it. You've got to to do that. Um, Thanks a lot for taking the time to jump on. Really, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, For everyone listening uh, or anyone listening who might have any questions about what we've chatted about, see the content that you put out there, or maybe even get involved in some coaching with yourself, um, where could people find you or, or reach out to you? My Instagram is K-R-I-I-S underscore D. Uh, I did recently rebrand my coaching. So it's called Empowerlift Training. So you can also message me there or go to empowerlifttraining.com. And I'm adding content and coaching services and all that fun stuff. So. Oh, nice. Um, Well, Thanks again for taking the time to jump on. Thanks a lot to everyone listening and I will see you all next week.